for each and every one that is here this morning. Uh, for each and every one that stood and, and, and lifted up our, their voice to praise with us as, as, as community. Sit, no doubt standing beside some of us people that we don't know, uh, we've never met before, um, that might be from a different place than we are or, or might have a different background than we do, but we, we sang the praises of the Lord together because what I have, have realized in, in my walk of life is, is that no matter where we come from or what we've done in our past or where we're headed right now or, or what we're doing, when it comes to the foot of the cross, when it comes to the presence of God, we are all equals. We all come together and He sees His creation. Created in His image, in His likeness, in His wonder, in His glory, we are a little bit of Him. And I'm thankful that, that we could come together, come together and really rejoice the way that, that God desires to be praised and worshipped. Amen. So we know this is Easter. You know, some of you, this, this, you, your intention, what you, you got, you got the nice clothes we talked about that last week. We all got our nice do, do's and dads up and everything. I don't ever wear a coat. So if you come back next Sunday, don't expect a coat. I don't do that except on Easter, maybe Christmas. I, you know, I just don't do that. I, I'm not, not, I don't fly that way. But you came out today, and you came out because it was, was Easter, right? You know, and I, as I begin to sit and study and prepare for, for this morning, important time, and you know, thinking and praying and going through different scriptures and reading through different commentaries, different things, and I got to thinking, I was like, I, you know, I could preach on, on Good Friday, preach on the death and how his death was required for us. I said, or I could, maybe I could speak on that time in between, the uncertainty and the doubt and the concern and the fear that, that fills our lives sometimes. I said, or I could preach on about Sunday morning. You know, and that's what a lot of us expect. Um, can we? Thought I could preach on Sunday morning about the resurrection and the and the bridge that Christ made between mankind and the divine. That that which was separate and that which was broken could be mended and put back together again, so that we could walk once again in the presence of the Lord. Bless you, Lord. But going through all that and, and studying and and seeking God's will. I felt like not talking about Friday. It'll be brought up. That's not going to be the main topic. We're not going to talk about the days in between. We'll talk a little bit about Sunday morning, but that's not, not the focus. What our focus will be today, and if I titled this sermon, I'll just purely title it tomorrow. Tomorrow. You see, it's, it's your tomorrow and my tomorrow. The people of New Canaan's tomorrow. The people of Elk Valley's tomorrow. The visitors to this area this weekend's tomorrow. Each and every person that is alive today, their tomorrow is important. Bless you, Lord. And I want to talk about what God wants from your tomorrow. Okay? So turn with me to John chapter 21, verses 1 through 13. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. We'll have it up here on the screen. But we'll read these 13 verses here, and then we'll go into the sermon. Um, as you turn, I'm just so thankful for each of you that came once again. 
Uh, I pray that you'll stay with us after the service. We'll have a baptism. Um, we're baptizing a, a whole family in our church. We're so excited about that. That plans on joining our church next week. So if you stay and, and see that, we'll have food afterwards. We've got chicken galore. Chicken's made so many sacrifices this weekend so that you could eat, okay? So, so stay and honor their sacrifice by partaking with us. We've got all kinds of food out there, enough for everybody to eat, so come be with us. Then afterwards, we're going to have the egg hunt for all the kiddos and everything. So stick around. Don't just run off after the service. We, we, we are excited to have you here at New Canaan, okay? Let's read John chapter 21, verses 1 through 13. So it says this, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. After these things is referring to his death, resurrection, and him revealing to revealing himself to his people before already once. So the disciples knew that he had been dead. They knew he had been resurrected, and they had already seen him, you know, come and be alive. You know, Thomas had already stuck his hand in his side. Peter and John had already run to the, the tomb. They knew that he was alive. Okay, but it says to the, uh, again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twins, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, We are going with you also. That sounds like a pretty good day trip for some of you, right? It says, They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. That describes most of my fishing trips. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw, in, draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. For the other disciples came in the little boat, but they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread, gave it to them, and likewise the fish. So that's John chapter 21, verses 1 through, 3, 1 through 13. How many Easter services do you think you've been to in your life? I did some rough calculations. I obviously don't have each and every one documented. I'm 28, turn 29, this coming year. No. Um, so I know I've been to 28. I was raised in church. My dad was a pastor. I don't remember ever missing one. Um, I added in a few for sunrise services. I counted those. And I went ahead and threw in some Good Friday services to been to a handful of those. So with all the figure, I figured I've probably been somewhere between 45 and 50 Easter services, right? Um, so you figure out the number in your head. Maybe this is your first one. If it is, welcome. 
we're so glad that this is your first Easter service. We get to share it with you. You know, I'd love to talk to you if, if it is your first one. Maybe for some of you older ones, the ones that have been in the way a long time, this, this you're getting close. You're getting, you know, triple digits. You know, big, big numbers. You've been to quite a, a few now, maybe. But what I realized, looking back on, on these Easter services, and most of these services centered around the gospel message. Now, the gospel just really means good news. The good news message. And maybe some of you come expecting to hear a sermon centered around the gospel. Because that's what you've heard every Easter service you've been to before. And maybe some of you don't know what the gospel message is. So let me just briefly explain what that is. Okay, I'm going to lay it out to you. We're going to build it up. And we're going to tell you what it is, okay? Going through some scriptures. Basically, scripture says, By one man's sin, death entered into the world. When Adam and Eve made the decisions they did in the garden, it brought sin. And through sin came death. Right? But the Bible also says that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What that tells me is if I was the one in the garden, I still would have messed up. And no matter how good I try to be in my own self, I still mess up. No matter how good you think you are, you still sin. And you still mess up. For all have sinned, it comes short of the glory of God. The Bible also tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the Easter part. The Easter part of the gospel message is that Christ died and was resurrected. So while we were yet sinners... While we were far away from Christ, while we were actively in, engaged in battle against Christ, because we were full of sin and thus full of sin, we were under the control of, of, of Satan. We were in his, his kingdom, in his family, ultimately. While he, we were against him, Christ died for us. The Easter part. Yeah. The Bible also says it's not by my righteousness, because my righteousness is nothing but of filthy rags, but by His righteousness that I am, am saved. Amen. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Amen. Christ Jesus. Okay? So, so do, we, do we see that the flow, flow map here, sin entered, sin was destructive it, it just added all kinds of, of pain and suffering and heartache and sorrow into the world, right and that sin that was with Eden, in Eden has, has pervaded every part of our life up till today it still is alive and active in the world today and even though all that's happening when the world is turning and there's sin and there's atrocities and bad things happening Christ still died for us because you realize that even our best, our own righteousness, was, was nothing but filthy rags when compared with the, the cost that must be paid to, to relinquish and to cover the sins of the, of the many. But then here we, this is the gospel message, though. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 9. It says, but what does it say? This is, this, the author is talking to, to the, the church here, and, and he's saying, you know, we... Before this, you read, they're looking through the Old Testament, looking through the Bible, and, and he's drawing comparisons, but he gets down to this, he simplifies it, says, but what does it say? What is the good news? What is the word? What is it that it says? It says, the word is near you, in your mouth, 
and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that good news that they preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. You will be saved. That's it. That's the gospel message. In a nutshell. Let's go eat. No. It's the good news. I mean major, significant good news. Life and death. Not just some thoughtful TED talk. Not a little pep talk that your parent or your teacher or your coach gave you before the big game and he knew you couldn't hit a, a broadside of a barn with that bat, but he's like, go get him, Tiger. This is not what we're talking about. Not that kind of good news. We're talking about the good news. Amen. All the good news that the world has, has come about. World War II has come to the end. We, to an end. We celebrated all of that, you know. The, the invention of certain things and, and certain getting a new, all these nice things that come out. All the good news that we can have in this world does not even come close to comparing to the good news of the gospel. Yes. Amen. Now most of those Easter services I've been a part of have been encouraging and inspiring and powerful. I've left many of them thinking, I'm going to do something different now. After hearing this good news, something's going to change. After hearing this message that this, this preacher brought, it was impactful, it was, it, had, it, it was tangible to me, it made sense, I got it, 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 hit the, it hit the mark, it connected with me, it showed me where I'm wrong, it showed me what I could do better, it showed me who I was, I'm going to change. Have you been there? Come to the service and Easter with your family and with your friends and excited Looking forward to all the things you hear a message or a song and, and it just moves you and you think, I'm gonna I'm gonna do things differently now. I'm gonna do things differently now. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, that we would do the same thing that we see the disciples do in this scripture that we just read. Alright? So let's talk about returning to normal. You know, good news doesn't always stay good news to us sometimes. Um, maybe you've got good news. I've got a new car. It's fine. It's that new Kia with that new emblem that I really don't like because I, I didn't... It was weird. It's weird looking, I think. Backwards and everything. you got your new car. It's fine. It's flashy. It's your dream car. It's what you wanted. It's cool. Good news. you got a new car. And a month later... That first payment comes in. $500 drive your new car. Maybe more. I don't know. Well, then, six months or a year later, new tires. Bought new tires lately. You know they're not cheap. Right? A couple years later, that drive chain, it's just slick. It stands off a of funky. That transmission just don't shift like it, it used to. And what was once good news... Maybe it doesn't feel like such good news now. Yeah, bless you, Lord. Or let me put it this way. Maybe you got your new car. Mm. You drive up to your suite today. Hey, girl. You drive around. You go through McDonald's. And you 
you get extra caramel on your Sunday. You showing her the high life, right? Oh, see is smitten. You drive around, you go to movies, all kinds of stuff. Saw the matinee, because that's the cheap one, but you saw a movie. It's cool, right? Feels cool. You feel cool in that moment. That new, that fresh, nice, that nice new car smell. Fast forward 10 years and you're finding Cheerios in every nook and cranny. That <laughs> you've seen that car. There's a funky smell that you cannot get rid of. And you just realize there's some stain. And you don't know what it is. But it might be chocolate. But it's been a long time since Easter, baby. And, and what was once cool and fresh and good just doesn't feel that way any longer. And I think what we can be honest with ourselves about is maybe we did come to an Easter Sunday service one time. Maybe it was another service during the year. Maybe it was a VBS as a as a kid, a revival. Maybe with hasn't it happened yet, but but we had an experience with Christ. A wonderful moment with the divine. And we left the house of God saying, things are going to change. And ultimately, we can look back and say, well, maybe they didn't change as much as I, I planned on it. And we sometimes tend to just return to normal. The normal of how you were before you showed up that day. The normal of how it was before things happened like that. If I asked you what the disciples did after Christ was, was resurrected and revealed himself to them, what would you say? If it was you and the disciples' feet, how would you have acted after Christ had revealed himself? We might say, well, I would have celebrated. They wouldn't have calmed me down for three or four weeks. I'd have been all through Galilee and Bethlehem and Judea. I'd have went all throughout those places, all over the Mediterranean Sea. I'd have went to places I'd never been before, places that didn't want me, and I'd tell them about Jesus. I'd shout and I'd sing and I'd praise the Lord. My life would change. I'd give all my possessions away so that I could pursue the calling that God had, had put on my life if I was one of the disciples. And eventually they got there. But what we read is what happened first. The answer to what the disciples would do after Christ revealed himself resurrected was they went fishing. Jesus Christ who performed a multitude of miracles and wonders and miraculous things or they walked with him for three years who had died on a cross and they all left him. Besides so John, who showed up at the at the crucifixion. Peter denied him three times the night before. Judas betrayed him with the kids. You'd think the disciples would have been a little bit more excited, but they decided, I think I'll go fishing. And if you think that sounds familiar with the disciples, look at Matthew 4. 18 and 19. Jesus is starting his ministry. He's went and he's been tempted and, and tried and, and all these things in the desert by Satan. And, and he's going rounding them up a bunch of fellas to, to assist him as he goes. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, 
saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So what we see from the disciples is that after experiencing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, of him revealing himself to be alive and well, they went back to normal. The impact that God had had on him, the, the wonderful things that he had done, the experience that they had had with Christ, and their answer was, I'll just go back to what's normal, what I'm used to, what I'm comfortable with. I'm just going to go fishing. How does knowing Jesus was resurrected affect how you live day to day? As a Christian, our belief is that Jesus Christ was dead and buried and resurrected on the third day. That's what we just read in Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 9. That if you believe, confess with your mouth, believe with your heart that Jesus Christ was resurrected, was brought back from the dead to life, you shall be saved. So that is what we believe, that he was dead and that he lives again. So how should that, how does that affect your day-to-day life? To receive that good news, to receive that life-changing news that you were dead in your sins, now you have an opportunity to be in a relationship with Christ, that your sins are washed away, that heaven has become your home, all because Jesus Christ died and was and rose again How does that affect your day-to-day life? Does it affect it at all? I think if we're honest, if we're just really honest, you can ask people that that go here regularly, I I push us to be honest with ourselves. Because if you can't be honest with yourself, you'll never grow in Christ. If you continue to tell yourself that you are something that you're not. Just be honest with yourself. Honestly, that knowledge, that truth, that good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the good news has not impacted us to the depth that it should. That's the reality. Sunday came and we rejoiced. Tomorrow came and we were like, okay, back to, to normal. Let me give you some real life examples. You hear the sermon today. And you're moved. Maybe it's happened before. You're moved to come to church more. Be more faithful. To read the Bible more. Maybe to tithe more. Or to serve in his house more. To serve your community more. Whatever it was that, that calling that, that came across real, real clear on Sunday. And it meant a lot to you. But, but then Monday comes. Then the next Sunday comes. What then? Moved now, but what about tomorrow? You sit with the brothers and sisters in Christ while we eat. And you experience the love and community that God desires for His church. You know that you want those same relationships in your own life. But what happens when those relationships require a sacrifice of your time or your desires? 
or your wants. You watch as we baptize a whole family here in a little bit. And you think to yourself, I really want my family to be in church together like that. Helping each other grow closer together and grow closer to Christ. Then everything else begins to clamor for each individual's attention. Ultimately pulling us in a million different directions and farther apart. You see the children together, running around, playing together, interacting together, hunting these eggs, and finding all kinds of things. And you think, I really want my kids to grow up in a, in a God-fearing church, around God-fearing people. I want them to be saved. I want them to know who God is. What happens that first Sunday? You get pushed back because they don't want to go or you don't want to go. Well, maybe you've never known Christ. You are a Christian who is doing something in life that you shouldn't be doing. In the sermon today, it convicts you, it pricks your heart. You heard the gospel, you, you hear what we're talking about today, and you're like, I'm going to change things. Things are going to change today. Things are going to be different tomorrow and next week and next year. I'm going to be different. And you come and maybe you pray and you, you talk to the Lord and say, you say, Lord, I want this. I want to change. I want to be different. But then Monday comes and the next week comes and those old things start calling again. They come knocking again. And tomorrow comes. And the sad reality is we don't carry the same excitement and thrill and wonder and enjoyment about Easter as we do that. We don't carry that into the next day, or the next week, or the next month, or next year. We get excited, and then it fades. We get all torn up. We watch the dramas, and we hear the songs, and we and like, I love Jesus. And then May comes, and summer comes, and it's like, I love Him around Easter. Uh, that, that excitement and that thrill, it just begins to fade. Tomorrow comes, and, and tomorrow's not Sunday. Tomorrow's not Sunday. I want us to, to, to realize that, that all these things that, 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 that are happening in our, in our lives, we come together at Easter, and, and like I said, 40-some, 50-some services, Easter services I've been to, and and the sad reality is, is that I, I left inspired, and I left encouraged, and I left moved by them. But a lot of times the things that I was moved to do, the change didn't last. To read more, to do more, to serve better, to be better, to, to forsake a sin, to, to, to push something out of my life, to, to do better in my life. It'll, it'll happen for a moment or a day or a little while, but then a tomorrow comes and it begins to not mean as much to me then. Sunday is important. We wouldn't be have access to Christ without it, but tomorrow's important too. Right. Amen. If you just return to normal tomorrow, then what Christ did on Sunday, really, we just saying it's in vain. If tomorrow looks the same way as Thursday did. 
if tomorrow in our life after Christ, after praying, after being convicted, looks exactly like it was when we were in our sin or doing the other things or messing up or, or not in the right place or just failing in certain areas, if the excitement and the move of the Holy Spirit doesn't really change us, then tomorrow is going to look very similar to Thursday. And Christ doesn't desire that for you. So every time there's good news, though, there should be a response. You look at the scripture that we just read, and it said that the disciple that Christ loved, which was John, he thought of himself pretty highly. Um, referred to himself as the disciple Christ loved. Um, he said he leaned over to Peter and said, Hey, Peter, it's the Lord. Peter maybe thought about, Oh, yeah, that guy that that I said I would do whatever he wanted, that God that I, I betrayed, that God that I, I did wrong, I messed up, that God that I forsook there outside of, outside of the, the trial where they, were, where they were putting them before the cross and putting them up to be tried for the cross. I, that guy, he got excited because he remembered, he recognized he had an experience with the divine. He knew that Christ was there. He said he threw on his overcoat back in. He plunged. And his response to an experience with the divine was to jump right in. Now I realize change is different. Rarely easy. I mean, if it was easy, we could all just change whatever we wanted to, you know? If we had, you know, some kind of, uh, something going on at that house and we had to go renovate it, if it was easy, it would, we'd never have, you know, peeling paint, we'd never have broken concrete. If our health was easy just to change in a moment, in a, in a twinkling, just, oh, I just think I want to do it different. We just automatically are different. It, we, we'd all be super fit and super healthy, looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger with all that six-pack. We'd be feeling fine about ourselves, right? But the reality is that change brings difficulties. And that, that experience that you have with Christ on Sunday the changes that you feel convicted of, the changes that you want to make, that you want to take into tomorrow and Monday and next week aren't always easy. Because let's be honest, some of us have been doing the same thing with the same routines and the same patterns for years. You drink that same cup of black coffee, thick as tar, every morning. It just drips out of that thing. You can basically spoon it out. You don't put any sugar or anything. You sit down with your paper, or maybe you've updated and you've got a tablet or a computer and you want to read the news on that, right? You sit down, you do that in the morning, and then you get in, whatever it is that you drive, and you drive to work, and you piddle through eight hours or four tens if you're a lucky person, and you go through your work day, and you get through it just because you got to get through it, and you come home, and maybe you turn on the TV, and you fill it with whatever you want to, if it's Netflix or sports or whatever's out there, and then you, you maybe you talk to your family a little bit at dinner, and that's if you go to the table, and then you go, go to bed, and you wake up again with that same cup of tar black coffee. And you do it again. And you do it again. And the idea of changing any part of that, of switching to decaf, would kill some of you. If the wife or the husband brought brought the wrong kind of coffee home, you throw a hissy fit. And some of you probably have. Because change 
It's hard. Change is hard. And I can give you every reason to change in the world. I could go and tell you that decash better for this and that and it gets you up through this, it'll help you feel better, this, whatever. I can go through and tell you why switching to this will be better for you by doing this health thing. I have heard all the reasons of why eating healthy is better for you, but that cheeseburger still tastes too good for me to change my dietary wants. Change is hard. If it wasn't, everybody would be doing it. But what we have to come to the place is that we have to realize is that these changes, this excitement that we have in this in the moment when we think about Jesus and the sacrifice he, we, he made, we watch the Passion of the Cross or some beautiful drama, or we, we sing wonderful songs, or we come to Easter service and we see everybody together, and it's the first time we've got our families together in a long time, or, or we just always we come together to uh, Easter service, and we think of Mamma, we think of Papa, we think of so-and-so in the past, and we think about that preacher before, and we're, we're moved and we're emotional and everything, but it doesn't mean a hill of beans if it doesn't equal change tomorrow. Because I can go anywhere and hear somebody talk real nice. You can go a lot of places and hear somebody that's funnier than me, more educated than me, and I think I'm pretty funny, more, more educated than me, that's got nicer words to say, a, a greater vocabulary, that can speak a whole lot smoother and nicer. But the reason we come to church, the reason we come to Easter, the reason we come into the presence of God is because we believe it can change us. Yeah. Bless the Lord. We believe that it can have an eternal impact on our lives. See, there should never be an experience with Christ where we leave without experiencing some dramatic change in some part, if not every part, of our life. How can we experience the divine and not change something? Some of you met your idol and they shook your hand. You wouldn't wash that hand for a month. You'd peel the skin that came. You'd cut the fingernails and save them because you had an experience with somebody very important to you. We can have an experience with God and change nothing. And do nothing different in our lives. But when we experience God, when we are in the presence of God, when we feel Him, when we know Him, when we've been around Him, it should drive us to do something different. The Bible tells us of a man named Saul. Saul was a person that betrayed the Christians, did awful kinds of things to the Christians, that did all these things, killed them, martyred them, stoned them, did all these things, tortured them because he didn't believe that Christ was who he said he was. He thought he was some kind of hypocrite that was coming and trying to tear apart the church until Saul had an experience with Christ. The Bible says that he was on the road to Damascus. He had received warrants to, to capture and kill Christians in, in cities around Jerusalem. The Bible says on the way there that an angel appeared to him, or a bright light appeared to him, and the voice of God spoke and said, Paul, Paul, basically, why are you kicking and fighting and pitching a fit against me? Don't you know who I am? There was an experience with God. And that experience with God and the divine ultimately led to every aspect of Paul's life 
changing to the point that Saul's life, he, to the point where he wasn't Saul, he became known as Paul. He changed his career. He changed his desires. He changed his living situation. He changed everything about him because of the experience he had had with God. And many of us, we don't even change our weekly schedule when we experience God, when we hear Him speak from heaven. The experience with God should change us. Look at the response here. We talk about the death around Easter. I don't usually talk about the birth, but I found this very prevalent to what we're talking about. Luke chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, it reads like this. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, okay, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child, okay? Just to let you in on a little bit of background, this is where the angels show up in the middle of nowhere and say, Hosanna, glory in the highest. King of, the king of everything has basically showed up. You're going to find him down in Bethlehem. It says, we got good tidings of great joy. Let me modernize that. i got good news. That's what they came to say. So their response was, after they had gone away, they said, let us get up and do something. Let's go somewhere. And they go. They went with haste. I don't do much of anything with haste. But they went to haste because of the good news they heard. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They had an experience with the divine. What did they do? Now, when they had seen him, they had experienced him, they'd been in his presence, they'd acknowledged him, they'd known him, they were changed because they said they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Concerning this child. We are faced with a decision. You go to church every Sunday, a couple times a month, a couple times a year, maybe this is the only time you, you normally come. But you come today. As we've laid out the Word of God. And I felt the Spirit here today as we worshiped and we lift up His praises. We've spoken on Him and read through His Scriptures. We've experienced the Divine. We've had an experience with Christ. So we have the decision to, when we wake up tomorrow, wherever it's at, when we go back to our normal life, do we really return to normal like it was Thursday, Friday, whatever it was in your life? Or do you go into tomorrow changed? In closing, let me challenge you in this. Okay? Don't go back to normal. Yeah, the spouse will be the same. Kids are going to be there. The house with the leaky faucet will still be there. That difficult boss at work will still be there. There'll be a lot of things that look familiar. But that doesn't mean you have to just go back to, to normal. The way you approach your life should change. Amen. The way you approach your family should change. The way you approach work should change. The way you approach your neighbors and other people in your community should change. 
all the in-between bits, between the things that are that are kind of concreted in your work and your family, those things should change. Your spare time, how you use it, should change. But the decisions you have and the priorities that the decisions you make and the priorities that you have, they should change. You shouldn't just go back to normal. Some of the decisions you were making last week, after the experience you have you have today, you shouldn't make next week. Some of the places you went last week, the experience you have today should mean you shouldn't go there next week. The things that you were doing last week, the experience you have today, something should change. Something should change. We should not just go back to normal. All these things, our family, our community, our life, our decisions, our priorities, they should be affected from experiencing Christ today. And those results of that change should be seen tomorrow. Jesus came to establish a new normal in the lives of all who believe. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you believe in the resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection, like we talked about in Romans uh, chapter 10 verse 8 9. So if any, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What this says is normal has passed away. The life that was normalized before, the things that were normal for you before, the things that you didn't bat an eye at before, that you know you shouldn't have done before, the things that just you just didn't feel right before. All those things have passed away. Behold, this new, all things, your life, your routines, your priorities, your decisions, your family, your life, every part of you has become new. Has become new. How will you, I asked the version of this before, how will you, knowing that Jesus was resurrected today, Easter Sunday, how will that knowledge affect the life that you live tomorrow? How will it affect the life that you live tomorrow? Because it should change everything. Everything. From the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, that knowledge of Christ's resurrection and impending return should change every moment of our life. Because that is true and that is real and it is good news. I'm so thankful for everyone that came today that is here. Many that I know, many that I don't. Names that heard once and I will try to remember names that I'll probably never be able to forget. Don't know your stories. Don't know your backgrounds. Don't know what normal looked like for you last week. But I beg you and I plead with you don't go back to normal tomorrow. Start new. Live a different life. A life where the world can look at it like I know who Jacob has been all of his life. And ever since that Easter service, there's just been something different. Because his normal has changed. 
I want and I desire that for each of us. God desires that for each of us. Because He doesn't want, He didn't come just to save you for you to go back with normal. He saved you to make everything new. Amen. Everything new. But that requires effort on our part. We have to make the attempt to change certain aspects of our life, to break certain habits, to move away from certain things. God will help us in that. But sometimes it comes to a point where we just need to jump in and begin to change and begin to do things differently. Amen. As I sing a song, if you feel the need to come, please do. If you listen to that, what we talked about first about the gospel, and you're like, man, I don't know Jesus. I look at my life and I see my sin and I see my brokenness and I see how it's been destructive and how it's led me down the wrong roads and it's made things not easy for me and, and, and just terrible for me and it just seems like I'm always just stumbling over my own feet doing the wrong thing all the time. I need the help that Jesus offers because I can't do this on my own. If you heard that gospel message and, and it convicted you to preach your heart and you want to change, I challenge you to come pray. Come talk to Christ. That which is dead within you, the wages of sin is dead, that which is dead within you can be resurrected just as Christ was resurrected. And you can receive new life and become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're a Christian, a follower of Christ. Maybe one of our members, maybe a visitor. You've been a Christian, you go to church faithfully and you do those things, but there are certain aspects of your life that no matter how many times you have an experience with God, no matter how many times He whispers in your ear and gives you direction and gives you guidance, you just won't give in on this one area. Tomorrow looks the same in this certain area of your life. No matter what else changes, this one area, you just won't give it up. Tomorrow give it up. And it, it starts here. Whatever it is that you might feel conviction or feel the need to come to something preach your heart that moves you, you're like, that's me. That's me on the now. He knows me. He's been watching me. He's everything. I don't want you, okay? Jesus does, though. Come and pray. Come and pray.